Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to let the soul stretch out, to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and I'll be sharing some insights and practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga, especially as they relate to the practical support that we could all use for living a spiritually conscious, fulfilled life in today's world. Yoga is a familiar Sanskrit word today, but so many that word with exercise and those who um, study yoga know it to be a philosophy and a practice for spiritual enlightenment and spiritually conscious living. Yoga means union or unity and it refers to bringing our attention and our awareness to rest in, consciously rest in our essential spiritual nature. Think of it as being restored to your original wholeness, knowing the truth of your being and living in harmony with it. And speaking of living in harmony, today um, a special guest is Andrew Mellon, and we're going to talk about how to get clutter out of our lives and organize things in a way that supports us in living harmoniously. Andrew is a speaker, organizational expert, and best-selling author of the very practical and inspiring book, Unstuff Your Life. And Andrew's message is simple. Get rid of clutter and everything can open up. Your workspace, your home, your time, your life. And without clutter to distract us, we discover that we have more time for what really matters. And whether that's baking cookies or tackling world problems or just taking our business to the next level of productivity and efficiency. Andrew works with individuals as well as small businesses and multinational corporations. He leads workshops and speaks worldwide on organizations sustainability, and transformation, and it can all begin right where we are. Andrew's website is andrewmellon.com, and that's M-E-L-L-E-N, andrewmellon.com. Welcome, Andrew. I'm so delighted that you're back on Yoga Hour today. Thanks. It's great to be here with you. So before we begin, um, why don't we do a little mental decluttering with just a short meditation, a moment of centering. Let's begin by simply becoming aware of our breathing. And as we breathe in, feel that we're pulling our attention and awareness within into the infinite allness of that divine reality which is our essential self. And as we breathe out, 
consciously letting go, letting go of stress, letting go of restless thoughts. So think of your breath as a broom sweeping the mind, breathing in, diving in to infinite peace, infinite stillness, power and presence always within you, spacious, open, free, breathing out, letting go, not clinging to thought or sense perception, just letting it go by, sweeping it aside with the breath. And with each breath in, coming more deeply within, beginning to feel the peace that emanates from our essence of being. Let's invite that peace now to fill our minds and fill our hearts. And as Paramahansa Yogananda advised, take that portable piece with you wherever you go today. I'm going to begin our conversation this morning about kicking the clutter habit and organizing our life for good with um, how this connects to yoga and yoga philosophy. Yoga stresses the importance of a sattvic environment. Sri Yukteswara, the guru of Paramahansa Yogananda, observed environment can be stronger than willpower. So if we want to set ourselves up for success, in any endeavor, including all the ways we hope to live a happy and productive life, it's really helpful to learn how to arrange conditions in our environment to be supportive of our goals so we don't literally or figuratively trip over our own environment. In yoga, the highest goal, of course, is self and God realization and that awake living brings healing and improves our ability to carry out our dharma to live our purpose to do the work we're here to do in this life and that environment that is most supportive of our spiritual goals and of our worldly goals as well to be able to live our core values is one that is sattvic and this is the quality in nature sattva that is positive and uplifting when you hear the word sattva think of light of of luminous of peace of balance um so andrew um I know that you are the master of this because I I have experienced just even meeting you and talking with you and attending your workshop that I really uh, was able to um, have some of your organizational ability rub off on me. So I've had a lot of progress since we talked last. Um, so if you could begin for our listeners this morning, just talk a little bit about how decluttering and organizing our home or workplace can help us create uh, a positive and uplifting environment. Well, I think that by removing the physical obstacles to whatever it is one is trying to accomplish, whether that is physical or metaphysical or both, that being able to recognize clutter and release it will literally remove obstacles to your path. And um, I think that uh, that process can be tremendously liberating to, to really get to the place where you're, you have a clear and, and open path to the things that you want to spend your time doing. Mm-hmm. Again, and I don't have an agenda around what that might be. 
it doesn't really matter, as you mentioned in, in your introduction to me, that it could be as simple as baking cookies. It could be as, as uh, far-reaching as world issues. It, it really doesn't matter what it is you want to spend your time doing. What you do want is to make sure that there are no physical obstacles to access that. Mm-hmm. I love the phrase that you use, having a clear path. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it often seems that it's not that easy to do you know, um, to have this clear path. One of the things I noticed is that I clear a path and then it fills up again. And, mm. um, and in your work, um, you know, you have, um, uncovered, of course, you know, what students of metaphysics and yoga know, which is that the outer clutter reflects inner clutter, <laughs> you know, that, um, that, you know, we, we can begin to encourage ourselves and make some very real progress by, as you say, recognizing clutter, um, and beginning just physically to create a sattvic environment. But, um, we also have some mental work to do to make that last, wouldn't you say? Certainly, certainly. And I, what I have found is that, again, by moving the physical clutter, it tends to shift how we think about things, how we feel about things, and it creates an opening and access for us. So while the journey might be an inward journey, ultimately, the often one of the easiest ways to begin that process is in the very real physical world. It, it creates, again, access to a deeper process in, in a relatively simple, superficial way, if you will, superficial meaning surface, not necessarily uh-huh. shallow. Uh-huh. But I think that by, by interacting with the things that surround us, we start to order our external life, and that becomes a reflection or a mirror of what we're doing internally as well. It's a very, a lot of people come to my work with presenting with a very, again, superficial challenge, which is too much clutter, too much paper, too many sentimental objects, electronic clutter, digital clutter, whatever kind of clutter it might be. Not everybody is necessarily looking for spiritual transformation they might get it as an added bonus to the work that they're doing, but their way in might be a much, a much snugger view of the problem and its uh, causes and its solution. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mason. People just want to be more effective. And, you know, as I was listening to you, Andrew, describe, uh, and which I know is true, um, how, you know, I was mentioning that we discover that we, we have to work with this inwardly, um, but you were talking about how, yes, that's true, and if we take some outer steps uh, at the physical level, um, that begins to open up that um, pathway, and so I want to you know, for our listeners to relate that back to yoga philosophy, because I started out talking about a sattvic environment, uh, an environment that's peaceful, that's clear, that's luminous, that's harmonious, that contributes to greater spaciousness and awareness. Um, and it's opposite, um, what clutter would be the, the element in nature in the, in the, uh, cosmic model of yoga would be tamas guna which is heaviness inertia resistance density and you know if you have clutter in your life on your desk uh, in your inbox uh, in your kitchen then the likely suspect element is what we call tamas guna that's that principle of inertia right you know that pile sits there and then it then it attracts more to it but in order to get Thomas Guna uh, moving to make that shift, um, you actually don't go right 
to luminosity, you have to kick into action. And that principle is Rajas Guna. And so that's the principle of activity. Now, too much Rajas Guna could be restlessness. But if you want to have things move in your life, you need that quality of energy um, that Rajas Guna brings. Um, and so, you know, what you're saying about how to get out of the clutter conundrum <laughs> um, is exactly in harmony with um, what we understand about these principles in yoga of um, how to live a more balanced life. Um, but, you know, uh, let's talk a little bit about how, mm, in a sense, the clutter can become a habit. So we can kind of see through that, um, see how, how to get out of it. So tell us a little bit about what you've seen or experienced yourself of how it, how it just becomes kind of an unconscious habit. Well, I define clutter as deferred decisions, which I think is its simplest essential definition. So clutter isn't, uh, it doesn't exist as a, a defined pile of anything. It is, it is simply a decision that you didn't make in real time set down someplace with another decision stacked on top of it until it became a pile of papers. It became a pile of clothing. It became... Um, a jumbled junk drawer in your kitchen. It became a garage that you could no longer park inside of or a basement that you felt uncomfortable entering or likewise an attic or any, any space like that. So in the beginning, <laughs> it was just one decision that you didn't make. And mm-hmm. you set something down and you told yourself you would get back to it later or someday without defining when that would be. So you didn't actually make a commitment to finish something. You just set it down in process and said you would return to it. You had the intention, perhaps, of, of returning to it, but then you didn't. And then you set something down on top of it. Mm-hmm. And they just kept piling on top of each other until it became something that when you confronted it or, or even interacted with it at all, it became overwhelming as to how you would start to untangle the mess that it had become. That is so brilliant. (laughs) I can feel it, and I'm guessing our our listeners can too. Does really understand clutter as deferred decisions? You know, I think one of the um, ways that we can certainly see that, you know, those of us, which is probably most of us who are um, engaged with email, uh, whether in your work or just your private life, one of the ways that the inbox becomes cluttered is, of course, opening emails and reading them and then deferring that decision to respond, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'll come back to that later. But then when you come back to your inbox, you know, there's, there's 10 or 20 or 30 more of those where you do the same thing. And, uh, I mean, I've known people who get, you know, thousands of emails, uh, in their inbox that, that are like that. They're just piled up and it becomes so overwhelming that they just send out a notice that they had a computer crash. <laughs> but, right, exactly. They just but the real, their email the real crash was like you, like you have described so brilliantly, just that moment of not handling something in the moment, the idea that we can just put off um, and not seeing the big picture that, you know, what we put off is actually going to multiply. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's one of those, there are two forms of procrastination. There's the one where I love what I'm doing so much that I don't want to stop it and move on to the next thing. And then there's the other procrastination, which is I don't like what's in front of me and I will do anything to avoid having to do it. They they yield the same result, which is that something doesn't get addressed that we would like to get addressed. But the approach is two different approaches. And certainly for the second, for the one that is about avoiding something we don't want to do, the irony in that is that the thing that we wish we would spend the least amount of time with, we actually end up spending the most amount of time with because we keep, we keep it close to us even though we wish it were gone. 
Mm-hmm. And so our mental energy is going there, and it's a, it's a drain, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's a tremendous <laughs> drain because you're just you're dragging around this this. Um, it hasn't become a regret yet, but it is certainly um, a little ball and chain, a little mm-hmm. emotional, psychological ball and chain that you're dragging around behind you, ever reminding you of something that you're not attending to. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, when we get back from the break, we're going to um, focus on some skills for non-acquiring and what the, what that could look like in our lives. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with guest Andrew Mellon from andrewmellon.com. And we'll be right back with you. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. What if you could improve your health one decision at a time? Take that first step and join us each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central and learn from experts in integrative medicine. Awaken to Your Best Health is committed to supporting your personal health through cutting-edge research, education, and practical tips that you can put into place immediately. Make that decision for yourself by saying yes to health. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to The Yoga Hour. Welcome back to The Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Andrew Mellon, who's back with us. Andrew's an organizational expert and the author of, um, as I mentioned, the very inspiring and practical book, Unstuff Your Life, Click. Kick the clutter habit and completely organize your life for good. Um, in this segment, we're going to take a look at what yogis call um, a parigraha, the um, virtue of non-acquiring. Henry David Thoreau noted that it is a preoccupation with possessions more than anything else that prevents us from living freely and nobly. And so, uh, aparigraha, which is a recommended virtue on the path of yoga, those who are seeking to live consciously, means uh, non-grasping. It also means non-acquiring, non-possessiveness, non-hoarding, and non-attachment. And um, the reason this is a recommended practice is that um, people tend to identify with their possessions. And, you know, we all... Um, know that and we and we can experience um, pain or pleasure um, in terms of what goes on with our um, possessions we attach meaning to material things um, we tell stories about them to our st- ourselves and others and um, yogis say that you know you you need to untie the idea that possessions somehow define you 
and that is a primal air called a vidya, a wrong knowledge, um, that, you know, just leads us to um, trouble ultimately. Um, it's a problem. So, Andrew, what are, let's look at some of the practical ways of breaking the pattern of acquiring. And I mentioned in the first segment of the program that, you know, I've noticed that, yes, we can clear a path, and then, lo and behold, it it fills up again. You know, whether it's that inbox or, you know, whether it's that space in your office or your garage. And so, mm, you know, how do we keep our space clear? A lot of it, I think, is about staying alert and awake and conscious of the choices that we're making in the moment. So just as clutter is a series of deferred decisions, I think when we, when we stop being awake and just grasp at things, there's a couple of things that are happening. One is that there might be a story about potential or about desire or aspiration that I will use this someday in something noble. Particularly, this happens a lot, I think, with um, uh, people who like research and artists who will tend to gather materials around them. And they there's a fine line, I think, between accumulating objects and materials that you will use in your work and then actually creating work. And this happens also, I think, with crafters as well. The the story is one of, again, potential. I I see the the, the use or the utility of this object at some future undefined time. I don't know when I will use it or how I will use it, but it seems too good to leave where it is. And um, I think that that story is one that needs some investigation by people who are drawn to telling it to themselves. The other story, or another story, is this is, uh, this is beautiful, or uh, somebody gave it to me, or there's some, there's some way that we bring things in where we're not thinking through all the way to the end of where will, where will this live in my life? What will I actually use with it, use it for in, the, in, in real time that I can actually see a practical use for it? Or am I just accumulating things for some, again, some undefined either future opportunity or calamity? Either way, there's, it's, it's, I think the undefinition of it and its unrealness in in the moment is one of those traps. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I'm thinking about um, you know you, you mentioned, uh, of course, crafters, researchers, artists who have this tendency. But you know, I, I'm going to guess that everybody has it in some way. You know, whether yeah. it, it, you know, I, I have a little tug of war with my husband sometimes who um, will save computer parts um, because, you know, you're going to need them at some point. Right. And, you know, so there's those cables, right? You know, and I think guys, so I don't know but if it's all guys or gals, whoever working with computers, there's always that little thing that you're going to need at some point, right? And then, of course, computers keep changing and you get new things and then you have all these cables and stuff. But there does come that point, Andrew, and I can, I can see my husband's face, you know, when just the cable was needed that I had gotten rid of. And it was like, okay, see, <laughs> we could mm-hmm. have used, we could have used that cable right Um. Right. and and so the idea is not to let everything go but to to be an active curator of your life and to be thoughtful about what you are holding on to so i wouldn't get rid of your last usb cable or your last ethernet cable but probably after you've had three or four of them in a container clearly labeled computer cables you really have to ask yourself, how likely is it that that fifth or that seventh or that twelfth USB cable is really going to rescue me from a pickle? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, so there's this, 
there, there's that philosophy of I, I might need it at some point, which you've mentioned. And then another one I think, um, you know, that has got me over time is, of course, with, you know, some inherited things <laughs> that... Um, How's that painting that, of your grandmother? Well, you know what, Andrew? I found a place on the wall. I like it. Took Excellent. it off the floor. It's on the wall now, and it's everybody's happy. And as far as I know, you know, great grandma's happy there on the wall too. So that Perfect. that one got handled. That was good. Um, now, here's the deal. There's the story. It's valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking about some of the, oh, you know, like, okay, there's a chafing dish up in the cupboard in the corner, and I have never used it, but it's, you know, it's like crystal, and it's got sterling silver thing that it sits in, um, and so I'm not just, and my kids don't want it, they don't need it, so I'm not getting rid of it because, quote-unquote, it's valuable, but I think, sure. you know, um, we have to weigh these things against, well, okay, we assign value, but what about the value of our space and our time? Exactly. And so I think people need to really assess, does it have actual value or imagined value? And, and it's probably worth 15 minutes of your time or a half an hour of your time to go to some estate silver websites or estate crystal websites or Beanie Baby websites and get a clear sense of the thing that you're holding on to that you tell yourself has value to confirm that because it takes two people for something to actually have value. You as the person who owns it currently and the other person who's going to agree with you and write you a check for what you believe something is worth. So without that other person, you just have a story. You don't really have anything of value. We typically trade in fine art with clear provenance, fine uh, antiques with clear provenance, precious metals, precious jewels. You know, there are some collectibles like, like uh, automobiles and real estate as a rule, but even those, everything fluctuates. So I just, I caution or encourage the listeners to be very mindful about the choices that you're making. And if it is something that you want to harvest value out of, that you move on that sooner than later and get a clear understanding of what it's actually worth and what your time is worth, even trying to liquidate it, let alone worry about it and be the steward of it for Mm -hmm. an indefinite period of time. Mm -hmm. That's really, really good advice. You know, uh, I live in a fairly modest home, an older home, small house that doesn't have much cupboard space or closet sure. space uh huh and um i although i struggle with it from time to time um i have always felt it was such a good uh constraint <laughs> because there really just is no place to accumulate that much and you know i i refuse to get a storage space so that means if something comes in you know something has to go um but i think as you mentioned earlier that it it really requires us that kind of discipline um requires us to stay awake in the moment and to do these things in real time otherwise um it when they, you know, when you say, okay, well, I have a policy of, you know, one thing in, one thing out, or one thing in. I like the policy of one thing in, two things out. That would be great. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, what happens for me is I do that deferred thing where I say, okay, well, here's one thing coming in, and then later I'll get to the two things going out or the one thing going out. And so then, I, you know, I end up having more than I want or need. And I had to give myself a new mantra, which was, um, you know, when I found myself saying tomorrow, well, I'll do that tomorrow, I changed it to my mantra was tomorrow is today. Excellent. <laughs> because I discovered, you know, well, which I'm sure you have and many of your clients have, that that tomorrow um, rarely uh, comes around, right? Sure. Well, and it, when it does, it, it comes with its own agenda. So it doesn't, it seldom comes unencumbered with obligations that is, <laughs> in our imagination, we think, oh, it's a free day. I can do, I can, it'll be a day to get caught up. But mm-hmm. it, it seldom arrives with a blank slate ready for you to write anything you want on it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think, you know, one of the ways we can begin to think about, you know, how to have more clarity in our life is to really think of what we do, what we have, what we acquire, what we process in any given day, you know, needs to be, for the most part, contained in that day, right? Yes. Well, and <laughs> and I also think returning to one's core values as a as a benchmark or a tool to use to make sure that you're in alignment when you're bringing something in that it really supports your values and and doesn't create an obstacle to access for you that it isn't uh there's a the story is obscuring the reality that this isn't serving you in the big picture it's a momentary experience but it's not getting you any closer to what it is that you want to be doing whatever your life's purpose is uh, i happen to my the work that I'm doing is about helping other people to set themselves free. So I'm, I'm very mindful of the things that I bring into my life. Do they serve me in that purpose, or are they, are they a distraction to me? Regardless of how beautiful they are, how luxurious they are, how you know, practical, it doesn't matter. It's just, is, it, is this going to get me closer to what I want to be spending my time doing, or is it going to derail my progress? Mm-hmm. Years ago, I heard somebody uh, offer the question that has really remained with me that is very close to what you're talking about, which is to ask ourselves, does my everyday activity support the end result that I desire? Mm-hmm. You know, does what I'm doing with my time and my energy um, contribute to the goals that I have for myself. And as you are saying, is, you know, what I'm doing, what I'm bringing into my life, is it, is it consistent with and supportive of my core values and, um, and living my purpose? Um, so, Andrew, let's, let the, con- Including this segment, let, let's spend some time um, with your really good advice, uh, you know, for those, I, I imagine mostly everyone, including me, um, could use support and encouragement for letting go. So we do want to live uh, our values. We do want to have a clean runway for um, doing things that support our purpose. But there's already, you know, too much in the closet are too much in the cupboards. And so um, how do you help people um, begin to let go of what they already know they don't need? Well, the first thing I'll suggest is that when you are trying to do something that can't be done in one setting, in one session, that you use a timer to quantify the task for yourself. So that's the first rule is work for no less than 15 minutes for no more than three hours at a, at a time. You can work multiple three-hour sessions in one day even, but after three hours you start to get a little punchy, so I think it's a good idea to take a break and get a drink of water, you know, take a walk, sit still for a few minutes, answer an email, do something, take the dog for mm. a walk. And then you can come back and set the timer again. The the timer helps you to quantify something that can't be quantified. If you set yourself up and say, I'm going to clean the garage today, you have no idea what's actually involved in that. And because stuff is inanimate, it will outlast your energy supplies. You will probably become exhausted before you've completed the task, if the task was clean the garage. But if you say, I'm going to spend three hours working in the garage to, to tidy it up, that you can totally do if you have... If you know that you have three hours, you set the timer for three hours, the timer goes off, you've actually done what you said you were going to do. Failure Mm. breeds failure and success breeds success. So if you are successful at setting a timer, completing a task that you've assigned yourself, you have that much more positive momentum flowing forward into the next time you set the timer, as opposed to many people have probably already had the experience of saying, I'm going to dot, 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 I'm going to clean the attic, I'm going to clean the garage, I'm going to rearrange the kitchen cupboards. They set out to do it, they get halfway through it, they get tired, they get distracted, they somehow 
don't complete the task, and then they're left with that feeling of, oh, this is just one more failed attempt. See, there's something wrong with me. I can't affect change. Of course you can. You can't affect change in the way that you were trying to, but of course you can affect change. Mm, And as we were talking in the first segment, you know, just um, taking um, some good old Rajas Guna, (laughs) some energy of activity and Mm -hmm. making some forward movement to get through that inertia, you know, things that have piled up, does begin to create more light, more peace, more balance, even if it's just a, uh, you know, one drawer or um, one part of the closet or one segment of the garage, you know, we begin to experience an opening there that is encouraging. And as you say, we, we ha- our self-confidence builds in that, knowing that we have done something and we can do it. Um, I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and you're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest. Andrew Mellon, author of the excellent book, Unstuff Your Life. You can find out more about Andrew's uh, work and uh, some insp- find some inspiration from him at his website, andrewmellon, M-E-L-L-E-N.com. And we will be right back with you for our concluding segment. Now and then, life is challenging. I may not welcome challenge itself, but I welcome the opportunity to learn from whatever arises, to grow in understanding, to flex my spiritual muscles. Every day is a new day, a fresh start. No situation or circumstance can hold me back. My life is not only about what's happening to me, it's also what's happening through me. The Christ within is my source of unlimited wisdom and creativity. I do my best when I respond to any challenge from my Christ nature, rather than reacting impulsively from my human nature. Every day I pursue what enriches me, enjoying the journey to my goals as much as the destination. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or a friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. If I were brave, I'd walk the races where fools and dreamers dare to and never lose faith. How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll-free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if we're all meant to do what we secretly dream? Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and today we're talking with organizational expert Andrew Mellon about how to uh, kick the clutter habit and organize our lives in a way that um, allows us to really live our values and fulfill our purpose. And um, before the break, we we were talking about um, 
how to really begin doing that, how to get some forward movement um, through a field of Thomas Guna where things have piled up, you know, whether it's in the garage or in the kitchen or on your desk or in your inbox. And um, Andrew, you were mentioning uh, the the fundamental thing of don't let yourself get overwhelmed you know use a timer make a decision you're going to work on it for a little while and have some success initially um what are some of the other ways that you help people deal with the sense of overwhelm you know when these decisions to deal with things have been deferred so long um how do you face how do you face up to it well, there's a couple of other tools that people can use. One is using a camera to take before pictures, which I find also to be very useful as a counterpoint to whatever narrative you have around nothing's changing. Because if you can actually look back at the before photos, you'll see that even if you haven't achieved what you wanted to achieve yet, you can see that things are actually different. And that is a, it's a powerful tool to interrupt that negative conversation of gloom and doom and, you know, uh, the sense that nothing will ever change or you will never make the kinds of progress that you want to make. Regardless of what you say to yourself, the photographs can actually interrupt that. And another tool that is really useful is making yourself accountable to another person, whether it's somebody that you're sharing space with or just a good friend that you can call up and say, I'm going to go into the garage now or I'm going to sit at my credenza at my desk and I'm going to spend three hours and I'm going to bookend this call, this, you know, this session with calls to you so that I hold myself accountable. I'm not just in my head in, on that gerbil wheel of conversation, but I'm actually using my friendship and an outward gesture to propel me into action and then to hold me accountable to complete the exercise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So get some support and track your progress um, as well as um, take it in uh, timed uh, in, in measured um, increments so yeah. that you, you you can have some success. It's really um, good advice for um, moving forward <laughs> in overcoming clutter or in other ways that we, we want to succeed. Um, you know, in this last segment, Andrew, I, I'd like to spend some time talking about the importance of simplicity in mm-hmm. our lifestyle to support um, living with purpose. And, um, you know, in, in yoga... Um, it's really a core value. Um, Paramahansa Yogananda said, you know, plain living and high thinking. <laughs> and, um, you know, he, he would have agreed with you. Uh, I think that, you know, it's important to arrange conditions in our life in a way that, that supports us being able to fulfill our purpose. Um, so it takes self-discipline, of course, to um, have a simple Lifestyle and in yoga, a simple lifestyle doesn't necessarily mean austere. It doesn't necessarily mean you know not having things, not having beautiful things or nice things. It really means an uncluttered life. And so, what what do you see um, in terms of the simplicity of lifestyle and contentment? Well, I think that. Living a simple life, again, a curated life, a well-curated life, allows you to enjoy the creature comforts that are available to us, whether that's having a beautiful or just a functional bowl to have your soup or your tea in, as well as it is to use either public transportation or a private automobile. For me... It just comes down to how do I want to spend my time and do I really want it to be rearranging objects in my life that, that ultimately don't reciprocate my affection. They, they are practical. They might be beautiful and less practical in the sense of functionality, but ultimately whatever, whatever relationship I'm having with them is pretty one-sided. The, those, 
the, the spoons in the drawer not getting together at the end of the night saying, gosh, that was an excellent meal that Andrew prepared, or I really loved the way um, Yogacharya set the table tonight, and I was so proud to be on the table, and it was such, a, you know, such an honor to be uh, delivering food to somebody's mouth. That that's not happening. So where do we find intimacy and meaning in our lives? And it's, chances are it's not with inanimate objects. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, and um, it does seem that the more things that we have, I mean, let's just take wardrobe, for example. I mean, it's really sure. nice to have nice clothes to wear and, and that suits your style and um, are supportive of whatever you're doing in the world. But I have noticed that the more I have, um, the more choices I have. <laughs> and um, that slows me down. You know, there's more decisions to make. Like, mm-hmm. you know, which tie or which, you know, which pair of shoes with this outfit. And so it seems like, in a sense, it, we can intentionally narrow down some of those choices so that our time, which is the most valuable to us, is not spent, you know, trying to figure out uh, what goes with what. Do you think that that's an important factor? Oh, completely. I think that on one extreme would be establishing a uniform for yourself where you just found the, the style of clothing that you like and you, you buy yourself a few blouses or shirts that are in that style, a few pairs of slacks or trousers, a few jackets, maybe a suit, and that's what you wear. And so you're always wearing a white shirt and a pair of black slacks and some sort of blazer or sweater, that's on one extreme. On the other extreme is having infinite choices and trying to find that middle way, that middle path, and having enough of everything that serves you and nothing that doesn't, and at the same time remembering that it's it's a popular statistic in my world that we wear 20% of our wardrobe 80% of the time. And I know that for myself... I have a favorite shirt. I will wear it. I will always go to it first whenever it's clean and, and hanging up on on a hanger. It's the, it's the first shirt I go to because I look really good in it, and I really like the pattern. So it's, I, don't, I either buy four of those shirts so that I can always wear it, or I have fewer choices and do the wash a little more frequently because the other shirt's they become the stepchildren. I look at them and think, yeah, well, only when this one's dirty will I wear you. <laughs> You're a perfectly fine shirt, but I'm not going to put you on. You're not my first choice. Mm-hmm. But And then, you know, there are those pieces, I have a few of them in my closet, that um, belong to another body, you know, that was mm. five five pounds or ten pounds less, right? And we're waiting for that body to come back. Mm. <laughs> we might be waiting a long time if we're waiting. <laughs> we might want to move into action again to do something to to bring that body a little closer, to close the gap between today and, and the body. I, I mean, as a rule of thumb, I, I don't believe in a lot of rules around organization. I mean, I do have my organizational triangle, which is one home for everything, like with like, and the third leg, which you had discussed earlier, something in, something out. But I don't, there aren't a lot of rules. I would just suggest to people that if you're more than two sizes away from a piece of clothing, up or down, it doesn't really matter, that you just acknowledge that by the time you are that size again, you'll probably want more contemporary clothing. That unless you're a funky artist who wears things that could look costumey on the average person, but you have the flair to pull it off, it will, chances are, then look like a costume. It will look like you're wearing period clothing and not actually something that is, you know, um, always current. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it comes back to that idea that, you know, it has some value and, you know, and you remember what you paid for it and you still sure. like well, there's it. Two versions, you know? There's two versions of that. There's the, it, it was a bargain and I'll never find it that cheap again or it was <laughs> absurdly expensive and I will never have that much money again to buy, you know, a pair of shoes or a suit like mm-hmm. that. So, I have to keep it even if it doesn't fit, even if it is the wrong style now. There's still, again, there's a story about money. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Andrew, it's just always such a delight to talk with you. And I'm always inspired um, to get my timer out and go to work in some area of my life. And so I'm, I really appreciate you being with us. And I want to give you just a, a moment for a, a concluding statement with us about, you know, what gives you hope about this work that you do? Well, I see, I see people creating clarity in their lives and an opening for true liberation. And I see it every day. I see it when I teach, when I work one-to-one with clients, when I speak publicly, when I hear from readers who have listened to the, the book or read the book. And, and I, whatever's going on in the greater outside world where there is tremendous grasping and coveting and um, uh, greed, we'll just call it greed, Mm-hmm. Um, I also see that people are hungry for access to ways of living a looser, freer, more expressive, more meaningful, more intimate life. And um, in that in that ebb and flow, that yin and yang way, there's I I just I do see the glasses half full that I see. People want access to a simpler life. Mm-hmm. They might not and, know how to get it, but they definitely they're craving. They're craving when they when they look at uh, olden times and they hearken for a simpler life. It isn't necessarily having to chop their own wood, although they might be willing to do that, but it is the the sense of family, of community, Mm -hmm. of intimacy that they're really looking for. When Mm -hmm. things were simpler, where there were less distractions, there were less obstacles to getting to people and community. That's so beautiful, and um, and that you really do provide a way for people can begin to move right away um, in that direction. And before we close, I want to let our listeners know, especially those of you who are uh, close to the Bay Area, that Andrew is going to be conducting a workshop at Center for Spiritual Enlightenment on Sunday, May 4th, uh, 2 to 4 in the afternoon, how to let go of clutter and chaos and bring a mindful approach to getting organized. So go to csecenter.org uh, to find out more about that and register. And also check the Unity Online archives. Um, uh, there's another program there with Andrew, Enough is Enough, and that was in October of 2012. Um, thanks for being with us this morning. Remember to subscribe to Yoga Hour at iTunes. I look forward to being with you again. And until then, remember to let your inner light shine brightly into the world and share your peace and your joy with everyone you meet. Bye now. Bye, Andrew. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. 
with enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 